What's up, everybody? This will get better. This is a special episode to me, mostly because, well, I think we'll figure out why. <laughs> this intro is already, I want to redo it. <laughs> this is why I redo intros all the time, man. This will get better. It's a podcast where I talk to people who are doing things kind of early on in their adventure with something. And today, like I said, just feels special. It feels right. There was a phone call that I had got while I was in Florida on vacation with the family that um, just encouraged the hell out of me in in the perfect moment. You know, it was one of those times that just like had the phone call not come through. Uh, I probably wouldn't have known it, but something massive would have been missing in in the narrative about my own life in my head. So um, we get to talk to the person who made that phone call and maybe get his perspective on how that started. So yeah, just really excited to have you all experience a conversation with Narakar and uh, he's, he's doing some cool things. We're going to get into it. This is the first episode, like we're recording and then posting immediately because some of the content that we're going to get into today is time sensitive and there's a there's going to be a, a call to action a moment to respond and so be paying attention and looking out for that uh thank you all again for your time and attention as you take this journey with me uh narakar welcome hey how's it going man you have the voice of a professional podcaster <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> yeah it just sounds good oh, in man. these headphones yeah so i love cool. it i love it i do uh i've been told i like to talk yeah. And it's funny because I do like to talk. <laughs> well, you like to talk, but you're also somebody who's also got really interesting things to talk about. All the I, time. I love it. it <laughs> so communication cool. is, God, it's something that. Yeah. It's, people say communication is a lost art. And I think that we're just getting better at communicating. We're just changing our mediums. Oh, you know? man. It, to I, me. Yeah. Like that is. You have firsthand knowledge that I totally need communication upgrade skills. <laughs> like I need to level Every once that in a while, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it happens, yeah. <laughs> Dude. So let's start with this. Give me the list in a couple of minutes. Like what are all the things that have interested you? Oh, as man. As much as you want to dive into, I... and then we'll land on what's the current thing you're trying to focus on. Just give us the broad picture. Oh, yeah. Seriously, I'm a person that, man, when I when I like something, I like jump in. Uh, head first, arms at my side, don't know how deep the water is, just go for it. Mm. And uh, it was when I was a kid, I was like all about uh, video games with my brother, right? Like every kid. And I like dope head first in video games. I played Starcraft and Diablo and like Tony Hawk Pro Skater and like James Bond and Zelda, right? Dude. And that, that morphed into something with um, Pokemon, right? That was just like Pokemon Game Boy. And then after Pokemon Game Boy, the next thing was Magic the Gathering, because I was like, all right, card games, that's cool. Lord of the Rings came through. Uh, my parents have always As been in super... Lord of the Rings, the card game? or well, just, Both. Okay. The card game, the books, and the, and the movies. Dude. And for me, my parents have always been... I would say laterally supportive of like the things we do. Um, they're supportive in their own way, but they ended up like taking the entire family to a Lord of the Rings convention <laughs> in Toronto, Canada, dude. right? Where we got costumes. We all dressed so up. So jealous. Went to like, dude, we did. There were seminars on how to speak and write Elvish. Yep. And my mom and dad sat through it with us because <laughs> like that is what we wanted. Right. And they were just as interested. Right. Like to me, supporting passions in that way is so cool. Uh, 
then after that, I, I really got into working, uh, making money as I thought that money is kind of a freedom, right? It gets you, gets you the things and places that you'd want and the things you're able to do and whatnot. It's not the only thing, right? Yeah. But for a while I was working and I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked, made money, paid for things, lived on my own kind of thing. Uh, and while doing that, I think what I was into was just like partying, man. Yeah. It was, it, it was developing yeah. these relationships at the time, which I thought were super meaningful hindsight they serve their purpose but uh they weren't very meaningful i, I don't talk to really anyone from those relationships anymore uh and i kind of lost this love for photography that i've had i've always i've always had a camera and i i took photos quite a bit and that was in fact one of my first big purchases ever uh was a camera and so i got into photography for a while and then i kind of went by the wayside when I was working and going to school and figuring out what I wanted to do. And there's this huge gap in my life where like I wasn't doing anything but working. That was it. Yeah. Cause I worked. I mean, what I mapped out my, what week. was this work? So at first I worked at a restaurant and I, I did everything started as a busser and then went through all the way up to managing it and then stepped down and just bartended. And then I left that restaurant to go to other restaurants, but it, I mapped out my week at one point. So it was like, there's 168 hours in a week. I realized I wasn't making money between the hours of 11 PM and 6 AM. Yeah. And I was like, wow, shit, I can fit a third shift job in here. Why not? Right. <laughs> and then, then I was like, well, there's some hour breaks where Dick in school, I was like, there's some hour breaks. I could like make some money at too. So I like got another job and I just literally filled my time with work, uh, running away from Man. problems and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then when school was over and I realized I didn't have to work as much anymore, I kind of like fell back into like, what do I do? What am I doing? What do I want to do? Mm. And since then, it was like, all right. I was in love with the arts when I was in high school. I mean, head first into ceramics, right? Doing it all the time. Completely lost doing that. Pick that back up. Photography, really wanted to get into it again. So I'm like early 20s, 19, early 20s. How old like are you now? 27. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I turned 28. Dude, this that's upcoming so weird. May. When, so before the last month and a half, when was the last time we hung out? Oh, man. When I was probably 17. Dang. Okay, yeah. seventeen, man. Ten years. I would actually say probably closer to sixteen, seventeen. Mm. Yeah, man. That's my junior year of high school. Okay, yeah. crazy. Keep going. Yeah. So, uh, and I started just thinking like, okay, there's some things I want to do, and I've always been into cooking since I worked in restaurants, and went from cooking in restaurants to working and making money to wanting to do photography again jumping headfirst into that. Then I moved. I had my first experience in the education system uh, working in it. And that was like the bureaucratic kind of bullshit back end that no one tells you about yeah. and how political it is and <laughs> the personal vendettas that people have. And those, the seedy underbelly, right? Yeah. Didn't like it. Decided to move to Alaska and teach up there. What? Yeah. Yeah. So I taught in the rural village in Alaska. <laughs> Right. It's called Napakiak. N-A-P-A-K-I-A-K. Google Earth it. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's tiny. Like you're talking a mile long and a half a mile wide. Yeah. Three hundred and nine people that given any given day live there. Hundred and ten of ish of which were students. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and forty nine families. Man. Right. Forty nine families. Average family six to ten kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Average family with six to ten kids. Yeah, average family. Whoa. Yeah. And the crazy thing is uh, the Yupik people um, borderline still uh, believe in bloodline purity. Whoa. Yeah. So they kind of keep the bloodline in the bloodline. Um, And so there's a lot of uh, keeping babies coming from the same lineage-ish, Yupik to Yupik. And in that, there's a lot of cleft palate, cleft lip, birth defects, uh, drugs and alcohol are rampant up there, as well as uh, mental, physical, vocal, sexual mm-hmm. abuse. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a rough area to live in a, in a local population. Yeah. Um, there are definitely good things up there. There are good things and good people. Totally. Uh, but there's a lot of bad, man. Yeah. And that combined with, again, the bureaucracy of the administration up there was rough. And paired with the idea that I had some family health issues, some familial issues, I decided to come back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then this is where like, it truly started like deciding I needed to follow my passions again. Mm. I, I absolutely was headfirst in my passions when I was in high school, and then I worked, and that was my passion. That's cool to be, have a passion for work. But the, the thing after that was like, okay... I, I have the time, I have the money, like it's time to actually start trying and doing stuff. So I did, and I jumped back into photography like head, head, head first into this one now. Like I then, I was like, all right, I'm not just clicking and taking photos anymore. I want to know how to take the, the vision that I have in my head mm. and actually make it come through on the backside of the camera, right? Dude. I need that. And I've always been jealous of people that like, can draw Right. And it's like they can see something, whether they visualize it in their head or they have it like uh, in front of them or something. Yeah. And then somehow they can put that through a pencil and draw it on a fucking paper. And then it looks like I could grab it <laughs> like that to me. It's amazing. It blows my mind. Yeah. Have you done it? Have you taken in, a picture that matches? The yes. Oh, oh, all the time now. Sweet. Yeah. I can look at photos now and know exactly in a camera how they do it. Yeah. And when I don't know it, I'm excited because I'm like, ah, I can figure that out. There's something else. And I have so many quote unquote tools in my toolbox, right? Of like yeah. all these different things you can do with photography that it's like, oh, I can understand how to do that. Or I like, I know the gist of what I would have to research to be able totally. to find out how to do that. As right? people are listening, what's your, where do you post your photos? Oh yeah. Nice plug. Uh, and Instagram, narakar.t. So it's N-I-R-A-K-A-R dot T. And then if you just poo, do uh, narakrt.com, that okay. takes me to everything Sweet. as well. Yeah. Uh, but travel photos, portrait <coughs> photos, uh, local travel, extensive uh, world travel. Yeah. Uh, photos of my dog, you photos of people. You have traveled a ton. That's another yeah. interest in your... Yeah. So that that paired with photography were like the two main passion passions mm. that I've had growing up in a semi-international family traveling quite a bit as a kid more so than i feel the average family did it instilled the travel bug in me pretty quick and i've always been the kid that like i i never had a tv i know i would always rather buy plane tickets than a tv i don't go and buy fancy clothes um in fact 
most of my family gets so pissed off at like me wearing the same clothes. They buy me clothes, so yeah. I wear different shit. <laughs> There's because, a secret to it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, every, get clothes for free. That's right. Yeah, you just have the people closest to you get mad that you're always wearing the same shit that's stained and got holes yep, in yep, it. Yep, yep. And that you don't actually care. And then they buy you new stuff. Like, here, you can get rid of that old one. And you're like, actually, I'm going to keep that one right. and take the new one. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've just always kind of appropriated my money towards I'm going to travel. And this is like the big like thing that hit my mind is I could go out, right? And I could spend $5 on a couple beers or like go mm-hmm. out and spend five bucks at a, a Chipotle or something like that. And then I look at somewhere like Thailand or Cambodia or Laos, uh, Laos, actually, Laos. Laos. Oh, I look at these these countries and it's like, well, the average meal there is 85 cents to $1.50. The average night in a hostel is like six bucks. Dude. And maybe you're talking the average little taxi tuk-tuk rides a couple bucks. So an entire day is, is 10 to $12. Wow. And I just spent $15 on three beers. Or I could have stayed an entire day (laughs) in Thailand. Right. The trick is just the plane ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then that's another thing is that I am so deep into like the Air Miles game. (laughs) Uh, Actually, the first weekend of June, I'm going to an Air Miles convention in Chicago. Air Miles convention? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What is this? Dude, they have fucking conventions for anything you want, right? Yeah. So you literally go to a convention center and you guys talk about and go to seminars about this like right now the land of air miles points credit cards the system kind of how do you game the system uh how the world is gaming the system different ways to get better as many miles yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah and so that's uh yeah i'm paying like 240 some dollars for a ticket to the conference over the weekend (laughs) and uh yeah gonna go learn some I don't know what I'm going to learn, actually. Hacks and air miles. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, like, really big in on it. That's um, so cool. I'm pretty deep because the, you know, just for the listener's sake, and this is uh, just kind of factual for what air miles are, I my last big travel stint internationally, I was gone almost 18 months. Mm. And in that time, it was like, I don't know, I was on three continents i i don't count countries so i don't like to enumerate those kinds of things but i was in a lot of countries and i flew back and forth quite a bit um the entire time i was gone i spent less than two thousand dollars on airfare man less than two and 750 of which was to come back to the states for one trip back to the states wow so you're talking there's a lot you can do with miles that's so cool and it's banking it it's it's making the clear decisions to do something with it to make your spending work for you kind of a thing. And that, that was actually, that's a good thing. I, I was pretty passionate about learning how to hack the air miles game. Right. And that took hours. And we're talking every Sunday, I spent a couple hours reading and researching and looking at it and talking. And I'm fortunate to have my father who's also pretty big in the air miles Super game. Yeah. And so I could always bounce ideas off of him and he's been to more of these air miles conventions and <laughs> yeah, he plays the game too. Dude, that's so cool. Yeah. Air Miles Convention. Yeah, Air Miles <laughs> Convention. <laughs> that's incredible. Right. And to me, it's it shows, one, that anything you're passionate about, you can mm-hmm. literally go as deep as you want. Keep going. Yeah, whether it's Hello Kitty or Air Miles, yeah, right? right? Like It just happens. And uh, yeah, it goes to like my job, right? Now I'm, I'm a teacher. Uh, I teach high school mathematics. 
I do some work with uh, other organizations, other schools and stuff too, but largely that's what I do. I do have a photography business on the side. I do like to do work. I think I do more free work than anything, which I love yep. also. But yeah, to me, that impact, that's my passion right now. It's whatever method, whatever medium, whatever way I can impact lives mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. And I notice, and I am trying trying to make a pretty clear point that I don't call my students kids as I teach high schoolers yeah. who are 14 to 18 years old, 19 years old. And I don't think they're kids first. I think yeah. they're they're human beings first. They're people first. Love it. Maybe that comes from the fact that I'm not a parent, but I truly feel that these kids are people. Yeah. And developing that relationship, impacting them in a way, which Man. hopefully impacts their friends in a way, that's what I'm passionate about. So anything that comes with it, now it's social media, it's uh, photography, it's you know learning their YouTube channels that they watch, and then actually finding some of that shit's pretty cool, dude. Uh, like, Mr. Beast. Yeah, Mr. Beast. I was just thinking. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Beast, Jeffree Star, dude. like uh, just learning about all the different you know, scandals and stuff like that, staying up on top of like what Snapchat is and yeah. being cool with them to like I don't use things, be able to talk about these things with them and not sh- simply like placate them, right? Not to just be like, oh yeah, look how cool I am doing what you do. Yeah. No, but like I find true value in yeah. being able to bond with them over that. Yeah. You know? Perform that that's where the relationship starts to That's right. It deepens. It yep. deepens that moment that moment. And I think that's like the this whole idea circling back to your original questions, like what I'm interested in is I literally tons of things and it typically all has to do with developing relationships with people yeah uh, with the exception of uh right after i moved back from alaska my physical health was awful i was very sad i lived a very sedentary lifestyle up there and i came back i was almost 300 pounds i got out of breath when i'd like tie my shoes mm-hmm. i started getting heartburn like terrible it would wake me up nothing's ever woke me up i sleep like a rock it'd wake me up in the middle of the wow. night it was so terrible, man. Like just physically disgusting. And and yeah, there was some some issues, probably drugs and alcohol, and just like yep. there was a whole mix of everything. I wasn't making the best decisions in my personal life, right? It was not good. Was depression a part of that in that space, or just mostly? So that's I've had a pretty interesting um, view and take on depression in, yeah. in life, and I don't I don't think okay maybe. I experience depression in a way, but I don't think it's this typical trajectory of what we view depression yeah, as. Yeah, okay. Right. I didn't lose this like will to go and do things and the things I was passionate about. I just couldn't stop making terrible shitty decisions. <laughs> right. Yeah. And knowing that I'm making them in the moments that I was making like, them. This and then is I bad. I kept doing it. I'm gonna do it. My the mantra that played through my head, well, that sounds like tomorrow Narakar's problem. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> like nah, but right now, you know, like <laughs> tomorrow, Narakar's <laughs> yeah. problem. Yeah, tomorrow, Narakar had a lot of shit to deal with. Yeah, and I think that man with with coming out of that, the two things that I've started to do for me, and pretty much me, because I realized that I can't impact anybody's life if I myself am not gonna be here or not healthy enough to do so, man. or if I don't feel good. If we feel good, we like to make others feel good. Right. If we feel like shit, you're probably not going to want to always focus yeah, on other people. Totally. So I got into uh, yoga okay. and I got into rock climbing. Mm. Yeah. So I am 
the notion of going to a gym to just repeatedly do those things. these moves to what feel healthy that is not tangible to me man mm. that is not something i can just do i i've done it right but i just never end up sticking with it like half of the world because it doesn't have any meaning there's no there's no end game there's no point yeah so or the point is so so far distant yeah it's hard to stay committed to like oh yeah in a year from now i'll be where i want to be be looking sweet yeah right i'll be shredded bro (laughs) yeah it takes a special person to get into that mode and And stay there right yeah yeah you've actually had some people on here that that there was a female bodybuilder yeah right yeah amazing totally amazing and i think that that's awesome and if they found what works for them they're addicted to that yeah i have to have some outlying thing that was like pushing me for myself mm-hmm. not just hey can i bench 10 more pounds can i do one more pull-up no i needed something more tangible yeah and literally tangible like rocks in my hand uh so then having the rock climbing enter my life realizing that it's a competition but dude it's only a competition with yourself man and sure yeah you can like compete against other people like oh, i climb that route better than you or mm-hmm. whatever but man it's so awesome because when you can't do it it is no one's fault it's but your just own. It's clearly your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yoga and rock climbing are almost strictly me. Although I like bonding with people over them, which is really nice. Yep. There's probably I've, a pretty cool community around that stuff. Yeah, they have really cool ends of communities with those two things, and they overlap a lot. A lot of yogis rock climb. A lot of rock climbers are yogis. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I don't know if I necessarily identify as a yogi or a rock climber totally. but i definitely do both avidly oh man do you need to flip out oh yeah yeah i need to yeah. re where uh, so naraka is recording this visually which is pretty cool um so potentially if you want to watch this there'll be a space for you to watch it on do you know where you're going to publish that yeah youtube just the youtube what's your youtube my youtube is naraka naraka Narakar T. T. A good question. <laughs> what is? I still don't even know what. I will is. figure that out right now. I'm, I'm pretty sure my channel is Narakar T. Narakar T. You got oh. some sweet stuff on there, man. Narakar T. Dot. <laughs> oh Jesus. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just Narakar T will get you. N i r a k a r T. Yeah. With it with a space in between. Sweet. But yeah, that'll get you to my channel where I have some videos. Man, that's actually interesting. The idea of like why I started my YouTube channel. Mm. I feel like as a teacher, my 50 minutes a day, five days a week, 36 weeks a year just is not enough time to be able to develop and help develop these relationships with students to make this deep, meaningful impact, right? Yeah. And I understand that I have to also cover math content, (laughs) which is which is always this this poll to do this thing. Yeah. But the real thing that yeah. you're interested in is the the relational. Oh, dude, 100%. Right. 100%. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I love math. I think that people that say that anytime I say that I'm a math teacher or that I teach mathematics, um, one, I don't necessarily identify as a math teacher, but people will always give me one of two reactions typically. Oh, I hate math. <laughs> or, oh, man, I suck at math. Right. Yeah. One out of every hundred people are like, oh, my God, I love math. Yeah, I'm like, me too. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and and it stems from you had a shitty math teacher. Mm. And, you know, to all the math teachers out there that might hear this, 
Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> if you teach the way you were taught it, you're, you're probably a shitty math teacher. Wow. Wow. And, and I will call every math teacher out that does that, unfortunately. And don't get me wrong. You math teachers that are teaching that, that, that way, you're going to hit, what, 45, 50% of the kids, the middle, right? You're going to hit the just under the, the 90% mark and just above the 25% mark. Yeah. And if that's cool, if you're cool settling for the between 25 and, and 80% or whatever, then by all means, that's on you, right? Yeah. But I'm going for the 100% mark. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Every kid's what is gonna... that? What, so, like, what does that look like then for you? So, it's like you need to start a YouTube channel so kids can interact with you and you're building trust with them. Yeah. Yeah. It gives me, it gives me a chance to take into like a, a small eight to 10 minute window of like a point. Yeah. Right. What is it that I want to chat about? What is it that I, I can offer a, a different perspective on? And I'm, I'm really, really purposefully clear about the fact that I don't tell people what to do. I don't tell students what to do. I don't give advice in the should, shouldn't, can, yeah, yeah, can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I merely ask questions and then I offer a perspective mm. and it's their choice. Right. You know, even when kids in my classroom are being obstinate, right? You always have kids that are going to, you're going to have maybe a bad attitude. We don't know what happened at home, right? They're upset. To me, it's clear from the beginning that they have two choices mm. in my room and it's okay. I am, I'm objective about which one you choose because it's your choice. You can do what's being asked of you or you can leave and you can walk your ass down to the principal's office and then you can tell them why you chose to leave my room. I will never kick a kid out, yeah. ever. No way will I say, get out of my room. Yeah. Because it's not on me. Because one, Dude. will they probably leave? They probably will, just because they're used to having adults tell them what to do. But why not offer them the choice? Yeah. Offer them the choice to leave. And yes, I've had kids use the choice. Man. And even more importantly, when they actually use that, wow. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. when they come back, you don't chastise them like, oh, did you enjoy your break? No, 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 no. It's, oh, Serena, it's good to see you again. Are you feeling better? Like, hey, I know yesterday was rough, but man, today is going to be great. Something that sounds cheesy and right, disingenuous, right. but the <laughs> but idea is the same. Based on the actual yeah. interactions you've had with them. Exactly. Yeah. It's you smile and you just say, hey, I hope you're doing better. Everything is good. You don't hold it against them. They chose and support that decision. Yeah. They chose to leave. Now, if they missed work, I let them make up the work or you don't, you don't have to, I suppose, but I let them make that up when they're in the right headspace to actually learn it and make the choice to learn it. Totally. And I've never had a kid not come back. I've never had a kid not choose then to do it for me or for them for me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because you develop that relationship, you develop the trust, you have it, then they use it. It's not that I'm, I'm not trying to manipulate anybody. I'm not trying to do this for some schemey way. Dude. No, they, I truly believe that that's how we should treat people. Yeah. And we give choices all the time in employment. Why not give them choices? Man. And that prepares them to be able to make these decisions. Right. Anybody at any time can walk out of their job and quit. And some people can go back and get that job back. Yeah. Do we tell high schoolers that? No, we make them think that if they're late one fucking time, they're <laughs> fired over. and will never be hired ever anywhere ever again. Yeah, yeah, yeah Right? Yeah. Or that deadlines are super hard. Yeah. 
So I, I know we haven't talked about this TEDx that I'm yeah, about to host, yeah, the but <laughs> the, the idea that even adults, when given a deadline, like something that adults I wanted... Named <laughs> <laughs> adults named Harold. Adults named Harry Daniels. <laughs> uh, are asked to have you something within a week and it takes them 10 days instead of a week. Oh, okay. Did did something terrible happen? Hellfire rained down? Did yeah. did Harry get fired? Is he no longer doing things, right? <laughs> no, but you know what did happen? There was some communication. There was some, hey man, this is what you were expecting. This is what was going to happen. Hey, could I do this? That communication is there. Yeah. Support that with kids. Support that with students and people. Mm. Novel idea. Yeah, yeah. We like to we like our rigid lines. Our rigid lines. We can't stand other people's and we want other people to just Oh well, yeah. You know, yeah, that's if everyone could fit into my thing, then I'll be happy forever. Because it is my thing, right? It's it's mine, right? right. It has mine, 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 mine. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, man. Dang. So then okay, you just mentioned TEDx. So yeah, uh, I'm imagining at least for this podcast that that's kind of the thing. This new endeavor that you're going on. Um, oh yeah. So you're you're about to start the TEDx BG thing. Yeah, the the tradition, the annual event of We're TEDx like, Bowling Green. It's got to yeah. be Bowling Green across all platforms. <laughs> Thank you Rohini from TED if you ever listen to this, <laughs> telling me that it has to be TEDx Bowling Green and not TEDx BG. Uh, uh, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of sauciness <laughs> there. Um so that's a bizarre thing. So can you just like go on a website and be like, I'm hosting a TEDx? No, actually. So I, one, I thought it would be cool to, uh, as a part of my, my desire to actually ingrain myself in the community in Bowling Green and due to a very, we touched on little bits of complications in life, I ended up having this draw and pull to BG. Mm. I wanted to be there. And we have, can have 17 other podcasts where we talk about how I got to that point. Yeah. But I wanted to be this place I was being pulled to. Right. And I wanted to impact the community in a way that no one else has yet. Mm. And to do that, I have to do it in a non-traditional way, not just become a professor, go in the doctorate program, not to become involved in the politics, not try and become a school administrator. It's go to the fringes. Yeah. Go to the fringe or just make my own path, right? Forge my own trail. I had this idea that, Oh, like I know people can curate or host a TEDx event, so an independently organized, TED-affiliated and licensed yep. event. I had no idea how to do it. And like all things, you take to Google and you're like, how to, to host <laughs> TED event? You know? <laughs> and uh, you know, 17 hours later of reading over the course of a couple of weeks, I'm like, shit, this is actually like possible. Man. So this was last spring, actually, probably like last February, February of 18. And I started thinking like, all right, well, I should probably go to one. You know? <laughs> yeah, I want to host one. Yeah, yeah. So I, I started looking at one. There was one in March in Windsor, Canada. Like, all right, two hours away. Yeah. All right, let's see. I go to look at what it takes to get there. And they're like, oh, you have to apply for a ticket. You have to apply to be able to buy a ticket. Wow. Yeah, I had to submit this application and I wrote, I wanted the ticket, right? So I went all out on the application. Yeah. I mean, I wrote pages. I bet you Tina didn't even, didn't like, even read any of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, This I guy wrote, put a lot of words on. He's in. He's in, yeah. <laughs> yeah so he, uh, she accepted my ticket and she sent me a link to buy a ticket, which was $100 yeah. per person. And I was like, oh, okay, like 
All right, Ted, I know Ted is actually a relatively expensive like conference to get to. Yeah. yeah. Like the actual Ted Isn't events like are five, thousands. Five grand or something. Yeah, four or five thousand dollars for a Man. week ticket. Yeah. If they're at their like global summits, yeah, right? They're big ones. Yeah. Uh and I was like, okay, you know what? This is it's worth it to me because it's one, it's an all day event. I know that they're having food and whatnot. And it's in Windsor and it's it's affiliated to this not profit, nonprofit, Ted, huge yeah. nonprofit. Uh, so I know it's, no one's making money on anything. It's got to be used for everything. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I'm going to give it, but you get some expectations, hundred dollars ahead. You, you set some expectations, right. you try right. not to, but you want to see where are they putting this hundred dollars? Yeah. And as I walked into this venue, man, it was blowing me away already. Wow. Just the layout, the lighting, the atmosphere, the people so good. And let me tell you by the end of it, I had a bar set pretty high at the $100 mark. They took the bar and punted it. Like, just blew it out of the water. Wow. It was amazing. I walked away from that reception afterwards just like, what oh, my God, happened? what happened? I, I have so many more meaningful relationships. I had more meaningful conversations with strangers that I've ever yeah. had in one evening day of my life. Oh, man, you're getting me excited. Yeah, yeah that's what this impact is. And... Uh, one of the speakers actually came up and wanted to talk to me about something because they heard me over, they overheard me talking to someone else about something. And now her and I still remain in contact today. Dude. And I mean, the whole event itself just threw such an impact on me that afterwards it wasn't even a choice anymore. I was like, I am hosting this. Yeah. So just thinking and like, okay, Toledo has their own TEDx and it's in the fall and I didn't want to overlap it, but I thought, okay, what a cool way to keep momentum. Let's do TEDx Bowling Green in the springtime ish close to my birthday. It's the switching of seasons. Everyone's in the mentality of like fresh new beginnings and blooming flowers. And it's a good time for change. Not just new year's is a good time for change, but spring everyone's cleaning more. Yeah connected to your actual lived experience yeah 100 like, this is the time to start something yeah yeah and i it's like all right well let's uh, uh do this application my application actually got sent back to me several times wow. uh and rohini was helping me quite a bit <laughs> yeah he was i think he was sick of my emails and <laughs> everything by the end but uh yeah rohini ended up telling me how to how to tailor the application a little bit more to like include more I, w- I think my initial application was so narrow mm. and he said as an all day event, you don't want to hear the same thing over and over and over and over again. Right. So after a while and several submissions and a lot of hours working on the application, I was approved. And so this is like the application is saying like, Hey, I want to do a TEDx event and this is what it's going to be focused on. Yep. And then they have to approve that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To be able to brand it, Ted. So you needed to like figure out what category can you use that's broad enough that allows people to. So there's like, I don't know, nine different types of licenses through Ted. There's like a Ted Ed event that's specifically educationally focused. It's held at an institute of education. The only people that can go to it are people from that institute that only people can talk at it to people from the Institute. Okay. Um, certain regulations come with each one. There's TED ed, there's TEDx tech. It's all about technology, TEDx business license, TEDx, uh, women. So it's all about women's and uh, feminism movement, right? Yeah. Uh, there's tons of different TEDx's, but there's also wow. the TEDx general license, which is typically just for communities that want to do a TEDx event. Yeah. That's the license I applied for. Now, you don't have to have a theme, but I wanted a theme, a core theme, and something that resonated with me. Mm. And that's where the idea of perspective change or what I finally settled on was mindset shift 
as yeah. the theme. Yeah. And I think that this idea born from mindset shift is kind of the lessons that I've learned in life that I, I'm actually a quasi vegetarian yeah. and I was a vegetarian for like nine years where I ate no meat. I realized that people think that becoming a vegetarian was a big decision. It was a huge change and it wasn't. Yeah. Right. It was like this small little choice to not eat this meat, not eat this meat, not eat this meat over and over all these times. Right. And that compiles into I'm a vegetarian. Right. right? <laughs> so for me, radical change, because I've done the radical change of just like, oh, I'm going to work out every day for four hours a day. And I dropped 70 pounds in three months. And oh, man. then it doesn't stick and you gain the weight back. And or you become you want to do this for this long and it lasts for two weeks. And radical, sporadic change just doesn't last. Yeah. But mindset shift. Shifting is just subtle alterations, right? Just a and in my head, how I visualize it is if everyone just shifted a tiny bit. Right. Everybody shifted a tiny bit on some matter, some way, that compiles into an exponentially large change mm. right mm. yeah that is where mindset shift is Dude. so bringing in these people from any any facet any walk all these far corners of the globe and just ideas that all flow in together beautifully to make what's going to be an all-day tedx event all-day tedx conference in bowling green ohio as the first one it's amazing. I'm setting my own bar so high for the first event. I'm like already amped on like, how do I better it for next year? <laughs> so that's so amazing. Yeah. So you did this TEDx, you then applied and then what's, what's been the process since you've sent in the application they said, yeah. So what's life look like since then? And uh, when was that? Oh, December. Okay. Everything finalized. December 2018. I, yeah, December of 2018. I got like the official AOK. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was December ish, maybe late November. I think it was around Thanksgiving that I finally. I was in like the last meetings or <laughs> emails with Rohini. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The the license came and I was like, oh shit! All right, this is like now real. Gonna <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, because all of my event planning experience in life. Uh, <laughs> right. The the one experience I have had working in restaurants was catering, and so I knew like if anything, I'm gonna have some bomb ass food at this event. Right. right? There's gonna be good that. food. <laughs> I know how to organize. I know how to price it. Uh, no, the the first thing I really did is TED actually has a bunch of resources in the. It's a TEDx manual, like a handbook, right? Yeah. And it, all it does is outline stipulations. They're rather stringent rules. They're picky rules and they're small, but it's all about branding. Branding, yeah. correct? Yeah. Because arguably, and this is, I love to describe TED like this. They are the most well branded, globally recognized icebreaker conversation starters in the world. Yeah, that's yeah. it. They're a conversation starter. It's an introduction. Yeah. A professional introduction. Totally. So the steps were like, hey, find a venue. Hey, find speakers. Yeah. Uh, how are you going to do that? And that's just like, hey, tell every single person you know that you're hosting a TEDx event and that you have an application. Yeah. Um, Google TEDx speaker applications and look at other people's applications and form your own from that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of beg borrowing and stealing from every other TED oh, website. Yep. When you are an approved licensee, you get access to what's called the TEDx Hub. 
or, or yeah, TEDx Hub, where it's all the TEDx licensees can post resources and information, what they did, ask questions, ask questions, yeah. forum. It's a, like a Reddit, a subreddit for yeah. TEDx, right? Uh, yeah, just literally just trying things, failing, changing, trying, applying, mm-hmm. reflecting, changing, trying, <laughs> applying, and and that's all it is. It's all flying by the seat of my pants. It is. Uh, it's going to be, I refuse to let it be anything short of excellent, right? Yeah. And I know that sounds like cheesy and hokey, but it it just will be. Yeah. And the way I look at it is that a TEDx event has to have like three things. One, a TED license. Two, speakers. <laughs> and three, someone or buddy or buddies or peoples to hear said speakers. Right. That's it. Man. That That is all that is required. And in fact, there are TEDx events where all they do is get together and watch TED Talks. Really? Yeah, actually, there's a specific license for it. I'm pretty sure there's a license for it. But yeah, there's there's TEDx events that they just get together to watch videos and of TED Talks and have conversations about it. Wow. Uh, but for this event, outside of the idea of, yes, there are going to be speakers. Yes, there will be people attending it, right? What do you do to make your event impact people's lives? That's the whole point of the event mm. is to bring like-minded, forward-thinking people together thrust them all in a room, force them to sit there with their mouths shut, listening for a whole day, right? Yeah. Giving them intermingled breaks throughout the day that gives them this chance to start a conversation, but in no way finish one, yeah. right? Yeah. Not enough time, even in an hour. Then the culmination of the whole event at a reception where everyone can walk around, stand up, stretch their legs, grab a drink, grab some food, and chat yeah talk with the speakers that they just got done listening to talk with the volunteers and the crew and the staff that were a part of it the people that it means the most to Mm, man that to me that's oh that's so interesting so like the beer and bible night thing that i run one of the the phrases or instruction i don't know things that i invite whoever shows up to those weird events (laughs) (laughs) i do want to go to one uh whenever i try to one of the things i'm inviting them into is um the idea that those nights exist to help people help us all find better questions uh, to wrestle with. Right. Because a good question lasts a really long time. Oof. Uh, it's like, like sits in your heart. Right. And so much of the religious conversation is about giving you the, the unquestionable un you can't dance with the answer at all. Right. Right. It's solid. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Or at least they solid pretended. <laughs> yeah, right. 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 Um, and so, but then, but I always end that by saying, and I think the most interesting question that can get asked after a night like this is like, I wonder if that person would grab coffee with me, right? Oh, it's the best is that the is relational question. And, and that's, a, I'm really excited for that time at that event to go and, and hopefully interact with some people um, who've said some really powerful stuff and got us thinking about things. So then where this this is I know you've told me this once so it feels a little not inauthentic but I also don't remember well enough um and I'd love to get it recorded so I can like oh yeah this is this is the thing. So one of the people on your list of speakers is Harry Daniels. <laughs> yeah, Harry Daniels is actually speaking. And that's after 10 years of not talking to each other. What the heck? Like, how do you... How did I come up with Harry Daniels to be on this? all of your speakers, really, I guess, is... But I am curious specifically in the 
why me without, I don't want it to sound egoic that I'm asking that, but I'm genuinely curious of like what, what was in your head when you said, oh, I'm going to give him a call and see if he's down for this. Right, right. Well, as soon as I started thinking about speakers, I started thinking that in order to make the most, the biggest impact on people, a connection is something you need. You can't feel disingenuine. And I mm -hmm. think that uh, not knocking TEDx Windsor, but I feel that the event itself, the only thing, and I had to think really deeply about this, right? The only thing that I would say that it lacked was its connection from the team, the TEDx team that was there mm. and the speakers that were there. They seemed like they were collegial, yeah, yeah. which is okay. That's cool, right? But that lacked something for me. That's one thing I needed to do differently. Everything else I wanted to meet or exceed what they did, right? I mean, I had to just, I loved it. They set the bar so well for me. They set the stage, huh, if you will. Uh, but there seemed to be no deep, meaningful relationship between the speakers and the team. That is something I couldn't have, yeah. right? I, I asked them how involved they were in the crafting of the talks, how involved they were in the, uh, the maybe the shaping or framing of the talks or even selecting of the speakers, right, from their application. To me, like, it, they're rather hands-off yeah. on everything, and that's okay for people. If that's what they wanted for their event, that's okay. Right. right? I'm saying I feel that's not what I wanted for my event. Yeah. Uh, that I'm hosting, merely hosting. I say my event, and I feel like that sounds egoic because <laughs> it's not about me. Right. But if I'm, I'm curating the whole thing, then I needed to have a specific sense to it. Yeah. In that, there was, uh, I started a list of people that I've been impacted on in life or in, impacted by impacted by yeah. with li in life that i would like to have talked to dang and uh, your name was on that list actually it was very close to the top of that list so and crazy. i i think it made it towards the top of that list partially because last year in 2018 i started my youtube channel and i did a, a challenge where i tried to do 30 videos in 30 days yeah yep. and at the same time i noticed you were posting live videos and videos every day on facebook and seeing you go through your instagram which led me to your podcast yeah. and just listening to you talk with your brother or alone or with your podcast peeps this listening to the way like the essence of you like it comes it's through so in this man yeah that was like oh yeah made me remember when i was actually at your youth group which is <laughs> A whole new oh, weird brother. thing because I was very I'm very non-religious and I dude I, <laughs> recently I started uh, saying I worked in a non-profit with youth, <laughs> but yeah when I attended his non-profit but in some circles it just feels way more like oh okay yeah authentic right right as, as to what it was yeah when I went when to you say church it sounds like it's just so full of agenda. Oh yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I agree. I like, and actually, he's not interested in that. That is the underlying notion of why I even like gave thought to you hmm. was when I attended your nonprofit for youth events. <laughs> you uh, <laughs> the <laughs> the one I was very non-religious, right? If labeled atheist or agnostic, but just yeah. just simply not wanting to even give time to thinking about religion in my right. life because you need time to think about it. I 
was ignorant to the fact of what religion was, but I did appreciate some of the discussion that could be had. Yeah. When I was willing to give the time and since, you know, there was a girl <laughs> and that went to this youth group also. Totally. Yeah. I went and it's not like I hadn't gone to any church before or done anything with the church right. before. You were the only person that when I would give some sort of notion that like, hey, I'm not actually religious. I'm here, but just know. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. Uh, you like welcomed it. You didn't even just, you weren't even complacent about it, mm. right? You were like, oh, yeah. No, have you thought about it? Like, like this could actually mean it like this. Like, you could actually, maybe it's something like this. Or, yeah, no, it's totally cool. You don't have to believe. But, like, yeah. there's there's deeper meaning in all of it, right? And that was like, bro, yeah, you. Because you're expecting just the typical, oh, yeah. like, mm-hmm. You need to. What do you mean? You're going to hell. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah you don't yeah. believe in God? Yeah. Oh, obviously, you're a heretic or <laughs> something. I don't know. Whatever <laughs> bullshit that was in my head. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so That's for me, so interesting. that tiny impact that I had. In fact, I seriously, dude, I can remember standing at the lock in. I was standing. <laughs> yeah, you had a lock in at your nonprofit youth event. <laughs> uh, I was standing right inside this. We currently uh, call that a terrible idea. <laughs> Hey, no, you want to go so to the good. terrible idea event? It was so good, man. I where we totally don't sleep forever, yeah, ever, and it was awesome because I don't like to sleep anyways. Oh uh, I'm, I'm standing inside the the I don't know. Was it a ballroom that you guys had? Yeah, it's like a probably, every church has a ballroom. Yeah, right? it's like a fellowship hall is probably the classic uh, name. The fellowship hall where fellowship <laughs> happens in okay. the hall. Yeah, right. in, in the, the hall. hall. You're not. You're not a fellow. You're yeah. not fellowshipping. Notice that fellow is uh, very gendered. Oh, right? yeah, There's totally <laughs> inclusive. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm standing right in this uh, fellowship hall, and <laughs> I just love the way you even say it. the fellowship hall. <laughs> I'm standing there, and that was when, like, I was just like, it was. It got very godly for a second uh, during oh, during sure. the event, right? And that's. And that's when I like took a step back and I was like, all right, man, I am just getting a little overwhelmed with the godliness right now. Dude. And you approached me. Kate's in the background laughing because we both know like that was. Oh, my gosh. Kate's here. Oh, and so is your dog. Oh, yeah. This Oscar. Say hi, Oscar. Oscar. (laughs) He's going to lick the microphone. Okay. So, yeah, I'm sure Kate and I facilitated a way way intense godly moment well honestly i always felt like you guys even when we did the circle talking and stuff with the <laughs> the home Sir, school people get the, oh you know Lord. the the you're thing killing it man well, the, so good the music with the hands in the air you know <laughs> the, the, that when, when that happened you were always like <laughs> uh, keep going this you were is, this is hard you were always so cool about me, like not doing any of that. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> like, I wasn't even just like, like putting my hand in the air and waving just to <laughs> just in. to fit in. Like yeah. fuck no, which is such not. a thing in those circles. Yeah, but, yeah, and dude. and you guys were cool with it. Yeah, and I don't know if it was just a uh, look at this asshole that doesn't want to be religious with us, or yeah. if it was a you truly just accepted that I was not of this covenant or whatever like this group right and you were accepting of it which was really cool because that goes against everything that i've ever had a preconceived notion of what a religious institution is yeah right in my very limited 
yeah. religious institution knowledge. So for me, that always stuck out to me. Dang. Uh, it goes to show, man, you don't know the impact you have on people. Yeah, just in giving people the non, like, suspending judgment. Yeah. yeah. Maybe to never even pick up judgment at the end, but just help people understand, like, in this space, that, like, you're not going to get faced with the judgment question (laughs) because the relationship is way more interesting. You will be judged. The human interaction is way more interesting than any of the other things, I think. And I think that's evident, actually. And it's not inauthentic either with you. Yeah, And it comes through your podcast, through your stuff you do, through people you talk to. Well, that's why I'm nervous about the the TED thing. Like, I don't... So even though I'm nervous, like, I mentally don't feel it. Like I was just telling Kate though, like Love it. every time I still get to speak every once in a while at another nonprofit event. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All those nonprofits <laughs> still, still in the nonprofit game. Um, and uh, man, it like, I will not feel mentally nervous, but my body knows it's nervous. So like I will get like the worst body odor. But it's just usually the day of, like the morning of the talk at the nonprofit. Um, oh. <laughs> well, like my body knows that I'm nervous, but mentally I'm totally chill, right? It's been really interesting in the last That's like three a- days ago. I started to get just horrendous body odor. <laughs> like it will not stop. And so wow. like, I know my subconscious is kicking my brain into gear and be like, hey, we're nervous about this now. Two weeks. But my conscious <laughs> mind is like, eh, this is going to be fine. But I think what, so then when I take time to go like, okay, so why am I nervous or why would it be, why is this any different is in that space where I still get to talk, a lot of it uh, is still very conversational or it can be. And so whenever I think of content to be giving to people, it is rarely through the lens of Harry talks for 15 minutes and then everyone listens and then we all go on our way, you know, <laughs> uh, in, right. in my own brand of or my own understanding of good interaction with content. It's always a conversation like yeah. the actual thing is the conversation. It's one sided. No, no. At the moment, like at the at the time of the talk, it's one sided. And that's, but that's what I'm saying. Like even the talks that I'm used to giving now, I've figured out. Like, no, I do this conversationally with people, right? Uh, um, and so that's that's how I prefer to do things. So this is the first, like, oh, so I, I, you're right. I probably need to think through the lens of like this is the opening piece of a conversation. Yeah, this is just your introduction. Yeah, it's your it's your. That man, that's a that's a pretty big distinction. Is that TED, TED talks, are not speeches. They're not lectures. I mean, they're not this lesson or seminar, right? Yeah. Conference is even like the wrong word for it. Mm. To me, it's people that are starting the conversation that they want the world to open the dialogue of later. Yeah. Afterwards, after you're done, and the reason they're starting, they want the world to start this conversation. They want the world to have this dialogue is because they are passionate about it. This is their life, man. This is yeah, their, yeah. their core beliefs. And people have more than one core belief. Totally. 
but this one they get to choose that they can put into this narrow time frame, sub 18 minutes, where they have to not only develop a connection with the audience, reach out and touch somebody, give the idea of what their idea worth spreading, quote unquote, in Ted's yeah. Yeah, idea worth spreading is, and then give them a reason that they want to continue mm. talking about that. Mm. All in under 18 minutes is why Ted has been perpetuated over time as like this iconic like pillar of education a pillar of of world change is because it's actually not the ted talk that does the changing right yeah the world does it because it was just sparked by the ted talk it triggered some sort of ripple learning oh man that's every ted talk you hear what's the intro the drop of water into the body of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little bing, 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 bing. That's the hope. Dude, right? that's a great image. I love that. The ripple effect that a pebble in water can cause a tidal wave hundreds of miles away, right? Yeah, like yeah. that idea. Oh, man. It is so good. Well, that's interesting. So I just, before you got here, was playing with my talk, right, and recording it again. And one of the takeaways of this last recording was just going like, just talking about me and it reminded as I was watching it back and and whenever I watch a talk unless it's done very carefully um, when it's all about the person talking right it usually falls flat for me so I was like okay I need to rework this and think about it again and come at it from a different approach but it reminded me of some pithy saying or that's a good word pithy (laughs) I like that pithy (laughs) But or uh, just some kind of pop culture simplified version of like people. It, it basically comes down to like the people you find most interesting are the ones who are talking about really compelling ideas. The, the compelling to you, right? Yeah, like in yeah. your world. The step down from that is people who talk about other people, and then the step down from that is people who just talk about themselves. And uh, oh yeah, sad. Yeah, I could see that, like almost like pyramidal. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, oh yeah, inverted pyramid. I'm coming at this. I think there is a solid idea in the thing that I want to talk about, but I was, yeah, it's a struggle because I'm so used to going. I want to hear people. I want to understand people's beliefs and what they're super passionate about through asking them questions about themselves and giving them space to do that. And then you're like, oh, but the most interesting TED talks that I see are not when someone talks about themselves and the experiences they've had, but when it's, they can use some of that, but it's really about this, you know, this thing, that ripple. This, yeah. this, this big idea that they yeah. have, right? The yeah. big idea kind of talk. Dude, There's so, I this think, is so helpful. I think I just figured out how to reframe it. So thank you. You should, you should write that down <laughs> right now. <laughs> no, However you're reframing it's in it. My brain. It's also recorded forever. So. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I forgot we were recording. <laughs> totally. This tiny microphone sitting in front of my face just <laughs> disappeared for a second. Oh, uh, the Ted, I think he, they, they, they file, if you will, TED Talks into like seven types of talks, right? Like the informative one that's like essentially releasing a new technology and how it can impact the world. Um, the the big idea one, which is I think the most popular because it is the conversation starter that starts a new way or illuminates a new perspective of something that's meaningful to the person that's talking about it to look at it and perpetuate it into the future. Uh, 
and then five others that I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> the big one, and then the other one, the tech one, and yeah, yeah, and I I know that there's a few other types. Uh, <laughs> I can't I can't think of them at the moment. They all have a thousand views per video yeah. on YouTube. Right yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and the big idea ones is like Sir Ken Robinson at yeah. like sixty-seven oh, million views. It's crazy. Or that was the first TED talk I ever saw. That's a lot of people's first TED yeah. talks. It's the most viewed TED talk in the world, dude. It's incredible, though. It is his his second TED talk because he gave two. Uh, his second TED talk is good. I think I watched it, but I don't remember. I don't remember what it's about. Yeah, I don't. But the the first one, how do how schools are killing creativity, man? Yeah, that's a kick in the nuts. It's yeah. a kick in like the motivational sense. It's so good. Yeah, and to think he gave it at a time so TED came to its inception point in like the mid 80s mm. like ted was like originated and came about in mid 80s really? which is kind of crazy to yeah, think it's that old but i think sir ken robinson gave his talk in the late 90s wow. the house schools killing creativity that, that makes sense and at that point ted talks were completely different from what they are now mm. but how that one just that one is so so popular is because one, Sir Ken Robinson is a phenomenal <laughs> conversationalist. Hilarious. Yeah, he's he's yeah. got the accent, you know, which yep. people love to listen to, totally. anyways. Totally. And his whole talk is actually given outside the scope of how the rest of the TED talks are given. So nowadays, to give an actual TED talk, uh, I'm pretty sure no one is paid to give a TED talk. Actual TED, not TEDx. Yeah. No one is. No one in TEDx gets paid either. Right. But I'm pretty sure actual TED talks, no including one's paid. Including you, the yeah. organizer. <laughs> yeah, right. Including me, right. I don't make any money on it. But the, it's pretty, it's not scripted, but it's very well coached. Like it takes, your talk is crafted and then you will be with a professional coach coaching your TED talk before it hits the global TED stage for probably a year. Wow. I mean, it goes through a lot it's like a process. It is a huge process. And I mean, you have people vying for spots on TED stage like uh, yeah, you get a, David a, Blaine, Steve Jobs, um, totally. Uh, Microsoft, Bill Gates, yep. right? They have to still go through the whole like, I have an idea. This is my idea. I need to be able to fit it in the TED frame. Yeah. Right. Back when Sir Ken Robinson did that, it wasn't that. The frame wasn't that. It wasn't as developed. stringent. Yeah. 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 And the way he did it, was just this is a conversation that I want the world to have. This is it, it was so to me it seemed so apparent to him this idea that schools are killing creativity and it almost irked him to a point of annoyance that no one else could see it. Yeah. He gave the talk in this light of like how do you not see this? Yeah. The kid is not ADD, he wants to dance. <laughs> like yeah. he just likes to move. Yeah. Right. That to me, he said, and I love how he like always air quoted the before we invented ADD. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Like, I, I, I think he's smarmy enough to kind of be like edgy on the fringe of like just polarizing people enough to want to talk about it totally. and informative enough to be like, I've never thought about it like that, man, dude. It's so helpful to think through it. Yeah. That good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And then that's, Again, circling back to this this idea of TED and the whole point of it is to impact wherever the the event takes place. Yeah. That's it. Bring yeah. together like-minded people. Bring people from outside that mind and within that mind in that community 
have everyone sit around, listen and discuss, listen and discuss yeah. and network and talk and develop relationships with people. You know, another speaker is talking about this concept of my identity. Mm. It's kind of this play on words, right? Creative. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the idea that one's own identity is actually the core of developing authentic relationships and genuine empathy towards mm. others. Yeah. Being able to actually communicate what your sense of identity is and defining identity and it's multifaceted existence that identity is not just like I'm white, I'm cis, I have a size five and I'm a quote unquote teacher, right? right? Like that to me, this one directional identity, which is what the whole world sees, there's so much more to it in the yeah. world nowadays and people aren't acknowledging that. So starting the conversation that, we should start these conversations. Totally. <laughs> like that is the There's conversation so much that we need to talk about. Yeah. And especially in a world where it seems like we're less and less able to talk about really important things because we can't get past the <laughs> PR versions of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Everything has to be PR, right? And because of the aesthetic and I use aesthetic as in visual looks and perceived looks from ideas. Yeah. Right. Aesthetically from our brains. Right. And aesthetics are our brains or thoughts. So these perceived notions of people and their ideas and their thinking is uh, like paramount in the idea of like who we are. And we have to PR that. Yeah. And when we have the ability to you know, take a photo of someone and then or ourselves and then we at that point get to edit it. Decide if we like the angle, change it, go back. And you think about it. That's the process we've always wanted to do, yeah, man. We say that all good teachers will teach something, reflect on it, change it for next time. Well, so my selfie, I, I run it through that process. I take it. I look at it. I'm reflecting on it. Mm, do I like it? No, retake. I take it. I look at it. Oh, I see something I don't like. I'm reflecting on the fact that I don't like it. I'm going to change it. I like it. Now I submit it. Yeah. Well, we just run that through everything. Totally. You know? Over and over and over. Yeah. And you know what the man... I just was, I read this article about how the argument of limiting teenagers screen time, right, on their phones. Mm. And in the article, like one of the leading quotes was something along the lines of uh, kids are losing their ability to communicate. They don't, they would rather talk via text rather than IRL, right, right in right, real right, life. Right. And this guy was like, how much horseshit is that? Yeah. These kids aren't losing their ability to communicate. And in fact, I would argue that they're addicted to each other. They're not addicted to the technology. The technology is just what links them to one another. They want to communicate. They're just using different mediums. Totally. Kids used to have to sneak out in the middle of the night <laughs> to go and hang out with their with buds their by the fence, right? Now I log on to Xbox Live I had Xbox Live. I log on to <laughs> Xbox Live and I'm hanging out with my dudes that live in Japan. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't have to leave the house. The communication yeah. lines are everywhere. Just boom. Yep. And so we're not, we're, we're communicating more. It's just this antiquated views of how communication, quote unquote, right. should be right. or has been gets compared the against the only this. way. Right. 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 Yeah. It has to be that way. There's still value in it, but there's. There is. Yeah. There is. And sure, I think that there's whole new. There's whole new value systems placed on, uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> I was talking with a, a, newer, a newer person in my life, we were texting, and they said to me, 
I love how you're not afraid to triple text. And I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is triple text, right? Like, no idea. And then I'm like, triple, like I sent three texts in a row. I was like, why is that weird? Why is that a thing? And so I asked, I was like, so why, you know, through text messages, I was like, so why is that a weird thing? Is that a, and they explained to me that, well, triple texting it seems like overbearing and like overzealous and that you're you're being like annoying. Some people feel annoying if they triple text. Other people perceive people as annoying if they get like three texts that could be one text. And I was like, y'all think about that way, yeah. deep than I, way <laughs> deeper than <laughs> I do. Like, I just text like I talk. Yep. And if there was a period, then I'm probably hitting the send button. Yeah, yeah. And, and so like, I don't give a shit if I send 87 texts in a row. Yep, yep. <laughs> no weight on me. Dude, it's so crazy. Or the whole like someone sends you a thumbs up emoji and then I'm like, that son of a bitch, dude, he didn't even want to respond. Yeah, yeah, he just yeah. sent me a thumbs up. Ba-dink. Or we know what that means, right? You got to get a thumbs up. It's either like a, I saw this. I saw this. Okay. Or like, cool, bro. Yeah, like yeah. like smarmy like that is like a really bad thing like yep, it would annoy yep, people yep. and i'm just like jesus there's a whole new system of of outlook on yeah. texting communication coming from someone who did t9 yep, right so funny t9 man i thought dude i thought i could go back to t9 when i moved to alaska i was like fuck a smartphone i'm going to the flip phone i was like i don't need a smartphone Ugh. Whatever. And I fought getting a smartphone for years. Yeah. I think my iPhone 4S was out when I got a smartphone. Okay. And I think that was my first. I had the 4S and then I was like, nope, I'm going back to the flip phone. Two weeks, dude. Two weeks I was into the flip phone and I was like, I hate this. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> awful. <laughs> and I had the word the. And I'm like, no. Goodness, it is hilarious, and those were the ones that, like, most of those they always make a noise, yeah. Yeah, you can't shut off the noise, yeah. To even I mean, think about it, that's how we used to, and I did have texting when I was in high school, it just wasn't as popular, but there was totally texting. And when you were texting and you heard this, yeah, yeah, and you had to hear that <laughs> because my, my buttons actually clicked. <laughs> yeah, Imagine what that'd be like now. 87 kids. Oh, my goodness. Man. Uh, so some of your other speakers, like, is there anything you can tell us about them? Yeah, yeah. So I've uh, just been releasing them on social media. Okay. Uh, you were the first one yeah. that got released. Dude, you did an uh, awesome job. It looks, it looked really cool. Thank you. I, I thought, you know, again, every TEDx event releases speaker information. And that's like a given like okay everyone does it but how can you do it better or different or in a different framework and so it came with i wanted to assign a word to every speaker some word that like when i think of you harry daniels what do i think of Mm. right and in our conversations that we've had you know our half an hour speaker meetings that last three hours six (laughs) hours five hours uh that impact is such a common theme in ours that it's just when I see you, I just think impact. You want to impact through questions and conversation and dialogue and happenings in life. And that was the word. And then I was thinking, well, just one word. I hate limiting everyone to one word, (laughs) right? And so I used everyone's bios that they sent me and I made a word cloud out of the power words in their bio. Yeah. And I shaped it like a microphone because everyone's going to be... (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And I just think that, okay, just a little bit, rich a little bit more rich because i didn't want to put a two paragraph bio in the 
uh, yeah. the caption of the photo, right? And right. then expect everyone to read that. No, what if I can just give everyone the gist of who Harry Daniels is from, I mean, yours includes things like Star, Star Wars, Wars. <laughs> customizable, uh, uh, podcast, yeah. uh, this will get better. Like yeah. they had all of these cues that are just you right? that encompass you, but without having to read a bio and it's shaped like a microphone and it's cute. That's you know? right. <laughs> like, it's super creative. Uh, and then let's uh, see, we have uh, a guy, a man named uh, Dr. Jim Gunner, who is Gunner. the CEO of the, I'm probably going to botch the name. I, I feel like it's the national charter Institute but I've also heard and referred to as I heard him or heard people refer to as the uh, National Institute for Excellence and Education. Mm. It's a mouthful, but uh, he spends his days living the land of mostly charter schools, charter school processes and how to better them yeah. and how to move charter schools and the rep reputation that they have. Right. Right to more mainstream better more aligned to what's best for kids yeah he is man his whole idea of striving for excellence that's why the word is excellence every time we talk together it's striving to be the best striving to man. be excellent is kind of his mantra wow. and yeah it, who cares you if you never achieve it right but because it's it's, it's unachievable journey. it's Excellence is not a goal, right? It's the dough. Yeah, it's the journey. Yeah, yeah it's that process to get there. Yeah. Uh, and then Amelia Travis, who was one of the... Uh, it's a, a crazy connection, actually, through a, a friend I made in Bowling Green, through a yoga studio, who said that she has a, a coach that she's just been talking with that literally just put out on social media a call to... Uh, want to get on a stage and spread awareness to her ideas and like wow. her idea and her idea to impact people and better their life and share some of her story because her story is incredibly impactful. And she is self-made from negative uh, 73, right? If on a rating scale of one to 10, she, she fucked her life up good. Wow. Like, and it was her, right? Yeah. She, she had, she came from a bad spot. And so her story is powerful in this idea that she mm -hmm. built herself, but, the pushing forward idea of how or the secret to is super cool because it's the whole idea of there is no such thing as a big decision and you'll never be ready. Man. And how she unpacks it and how she interweaves her like personal anecdotes is incredible. In fact, I just earlier today had a meeting with her where she did a run through through her talk and I loved it. Dude. Uh, we have, oh, there's so many. Oh, one of my one of my nice favorites. How many is, people I'm, are speaking at this? There one? are fourteen speakers. Fourteen. Yeah, one of the speakers. They they range from uh, seventeen year old high school students, all the way up through older mm. people. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have you know people with, and I hate to use titles, but I mean people have PhDs and they have you know CEO positions and they have you know, their own titles and work and stuff, but people who are on the cusp of being able to be starting something yeah. and those who have clearly been doing yeah. for a long time. Oh, man. And it runs the gamut all the way through on this life experience. And I love that because we can learn just as much from people that have done as we can from people who are about to do. Yeah. There's one person 
at this moment, um, I have two high school students, one college student. The One of the high school students is talking about this idea of from trash to treasure. And I've had this this particular person, I've had him in class when he was a freshman and he's currently a senior. Mm. Seeing him grow, it's my first, by the way, that is my first full class. It's my first full okay. see as freshman, see as senior growth. Oh, man, and I got so to witness, cool. yo, amazing, right? See this kid turn into an adult in front of my eyes and watch the growth that happens and how he's so uniquely him mm. that he has always been... If he wants something, he finds a way to get it or do it. So he fell in love with music at a really young age, but he couldn't afford musical instruments. Mm -hmm. So he just started using things he could find to make them. Yeah. And it would be like his dad works with construction. And it's like, Dad, I'm looking for this piece of wood. Can you help me? Dad looks and it's like, yeah, he can get it from work. Get it from a friend that has it. And he needs some, he needs a wire. And there's like, oh, there's a broken guitar string in a parking lot. And you pick that up. And yeah. there's a cut piece of PVC he's got to wash stuff out of. Like, he just makes it. And then he makes the instruments. And he brings them to school and walks around and plays them in the hallway. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. that's this kid, so cool. This kid came to me as a freshman in high school. And he was like, Mr. T, Mr. T, Mr. T, look what I did. He said, I figured out that if I took a CD... An actual compact disc, for those of you who don't know what CDs are. Right. If I took a CD and I put it on a record player, yeah, with the spinning needle, yeah. right? And I set it on the record, I set the record on, I put the needle on it, and if I yelled into the the bellow of the record player, if that's called a bellow, whatever the big thing the, is where sound the, comes the out. Big circle hole thing. Yeah, the big circle hole. <laughs> if I yell into it, it records the sound on the CD and I can play that back. What the heck? And I'm like, who knows? Who figures these? Who the yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Who? Let alone a fourteen-year-old high school kid right. that just has the wherewithal or the thought to just try this. Like I'm yeah. gonna ruin a CD, scratch the living <laughs> hell out of it. But oh my god, I can play it back. And he came to me, and I was like ecstatic. Yeah. I flipped my lid, man. Yeah. I was like, I would never have thought of that. How did you think? That's amazing. Yeah. This this idea that he brings is the notion that. If you want something, you can get it. Just look around you first. Yeah. One man's trash is another man's treasure at its purest form. Yeah. And he's going to bring in his instruments he's made. In fact, he just called me earlier today. Uh, he was making a tro, which is a traditional Cambodian instrument uh, that out of a coconut he bought. So he did. He went and bought a coconut because he wanted to make a traditional one. Dude. And a piece of wood that he found and an old guitar string and a literal, he asked some people for some horse ma or tail hair and he made a bow out of that. And like, he's just making it in his garage. He's like, yeah, it's going to be done in an hour. I'll send you the video. Man. Like, <laughs> Dude. That's what he does with his time. He's not just yeah. playing Fortnite or doing like other things. I'm not saying playing Fortnite's bad, but like he's he's not doing the traditional things. He's stepping outside the box. Right. And to me that resonates mm -hmm. with me as a person. Uh another another girl that's speaking, she's speaking about social issues theater. So I would like to say like this idea that when kids do things, right? We tend to like it. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, they're they're so good. They're doing gymnastics or oh, they're 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 playing the piano, yep. right? Like it's cute, yeah. and it's it's we like it because it's our kids, it's our students, or something. We we admire the fact that they're just taking the risk, they're putting themselves out there and doing it, right? And then 
there's when you cross that threshold of holy shit, this not just good because they're kids. This is good on any scale, right? Any scale would say that this is talent. This is good. You in, you you caught me. You roped me in. You brought me in, and now I'm being impacted by you. Yeah, in a raw way. That's what happens with our drama department at our high school. Mm. These kids are not just getting out there and doing things and putting themselves out there, but they have impactful something. talent. Yeah. That like, you know, like when the judge puts their pen down and they just want to enjoy, yeah. right? That's how I feel. Man. I'm not just enjoying it because like, oh my God, I knew Sam when he was a kid. Oh, it's so cool that he's trying. No, I'm like, oh my God, Sam can play guitar like real good. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. Genuinely impressed. Yeah. And this one particular student who's also a senior, she was exposed to social issues theater in her early high school days. And I didn't know this was even a thing. Yeah. But essentially raising awareness to social issues via the stage, writing a show that can uh, exemplify some of the maybe satirically, but exemplify some of these ideas that you can have. And I went and saw her first show that I saw was called Focus and it raises awareness to this idea of students who suffer from ADD mm. and what it's like for them. Yeah. And what it's like talking to psychologists and getting prescribed meds and what those meds are like and what their brain does and what the brain feels like. And it was just, oh my gosh. It, it felt it, like you're experiencing yeah. it yeah. through their lens yeah and there was like such an impactful moment that like gave me goosebumps right. and like i was just like at the end i like and i was like i was holding my breath why was i why was i holding my breath like yeah, yeah. what and this was just a high school show written and directed by her but performed by others yeah that blew my mind man and to me that idea that could raise awareness to something like this is so amazing that immediately after the show, I went and talked to her about the idea of Ted or like if she'd be willing to apply to speak here. Or did she have an idea? She'd even be willing to. Yeah, huh. yeah man. It, it, so many. I mean, there's 14. I just list like five. And Dude, that's so cool. It's so good. Ah. So good. Uh, one of the speakers, her name's Angie. She's the co-owner of Move Mentality Yoga Studio. Her talk plays with this notion called The Edge. And I don't really have a good sense of how her talk will shape out because it's morphed so much. It's changed so much since she first started. Yeah. And it, it's so it's growing to be something beautiful. But during her yoga practice and, and I attend her class and in her talk, she she plays with this notion called the edge. And the edge is where we find the growth. The edge is where we we dance along it. We push the edge. We don't ever want to step over it too far because then we can get hurt. We can hurt others, right? But playing with that edge is mm. where growth happens. And that's where I think that, uh, man, yeah, it sits. It's really cool. It's, I love playing my edge. Yeah. I love pushing it right to the boundaries. And then, you know what? Yeah, I'm like going to be like, boop. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah, was that like? I will what was step that like? over it. And that. then I'm like, oh, wait, wait, actually, the edge isn't there. I thought that was a fake edge. <gasps> I found a new edge, the real yeah. edge. That's over there. I'm like, oh yeah, I got, I got some more time. I got some more space. Yeah. And I love pushing it. And then I push it so hard that it moves. And that is like what I consider to be my growth. Man. 
is that I just shift that edge. Oh, shift. I move that edge. <laughs> Mindset shift, the uh, the theme of the TEDx Bowling Green. I'm just yep. used. <laughs> I use the word shift all the time in everything I do now. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, if you were given, like, because you don't get to, as the organizer, I'm guessing you're not doing a talk. No, you're not allowed to speak. No one yeah. on the team is allowed to speak. Yeah. So what would your what would your TEDx talk be on if you were given one? Well, uh, there are a couple. Um, I actually will say that out of all the things I divulge, that is something that we'll have to wait for a later. Oh, date. that's cool. That's yeah, cool. that is something I will withhold because there are three main ideas of things I would like to talk about. One of them is super prominent and. It is something that I am crafting and I plan on applying. Yeah. So I plan on applying to TEDx Toledo 2019, yeah. which is this fall. Dude. So it'll be good. That'll be sweet. Really good. I'm excited. To oh, yeah. It's t- I'm glad you're doing something. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I applied for TEDx Windsor, uh, but then I withdrew my application because I was working on this. Yep. And I was going to apply to a couple of the other TEDx's in the area to see if I can get out there, but... That's all going to happen after this, Ted. After. Yeah. Okay. Because I do want to, but before I learned that leaders or organizers and team members cannot give a talk, I wrestled with the idea of even wanting to because I didn't want to, uh, I don't want to detract Yeah. from anything. Yeah. No, oh, man. What um, is the next, so May 11th is the TEDx. Yep. And... It's going to go awesome. <laughs> Damn straight. What are the quick details on that for people who are like listening to this piece? And like- so in order to uh, to get the tickets, you can go to TEDxBowlingGreen.com, uh, accessible via any of the TEDx Bowling Green across any platform. The There's a link called Buy Tickets. It'll actually take you to an Eventbrite website. Eventbrite is just a ticket sales place. Yeah. Uh, The tickets are $65. But for your listeners, we will do a promo code called TEDFRIEND, all caps, all one word. That'll get you 20% off your admission ticket. TEDFRIEND. That way, anybody that's a friend of TED, you know, our buddy, (laughs) Ted. Good old Ted. Old yeah. Ted. Yeah, Ted Friend will get you 20% off admissions because they are $65. And while I think we should address this idea of price, I know that uh, price and payment for things is always a point of contention with people. Yeah, yeah. And I like to be transparent, as transparent as possible, that uh, TED is a not-for-profit organization. It's a non-profit organization and TEDx's that don't have 501 status, so they're not a true non-profit, according to right. the government. It is a not-for-profit event, meaning that... Ted would sue my ass if I made money on yeah, this. Yeah, right? totally. And so there's two outcomes. One, it's a sum zero. I hit black. I hit even. I break even. My expenditure meets my money I bring in. Or the more likely possibility is that it, I'm in the red at the end, which yeah. means it costs me personal money as a quote-unquote donation to the event yeah. that I end up losing money, quote-unquote, in the end. Yeah. And so the only revenue streams you can have are in-kind donations of either cash or services or products and ticket sales. Yeah. Due to the nature of the event being new to Bowling Green and I don't have 501 status, it's very difficult to get anyone willing to fund an event that's the first year of the event with, hey, here's a check. Yeah. Um, not to say that I haven't uh, vied for funding. It's just very difficult. Yeah. And so the some of the decisions I made on the venue choice and everything locking me into certain 
prices and certain deals that you have to make and take, um, the ticket prices are $65. Yeah. And I, th- I feel that for an all day conference with two catered meals, a reception and basically the opportunity to be a part of this forward leaning momentum yeah to change the community 65 bucks is yeah 65 dollars is nothing and like coming from where i paid 100 and got my socks blown off and i'm trying to give way more for less yeah yeah uh the the idea that i'm not just trying to sell tickets is another big thing i i don't really receive benefit from selling tickets other than the fact that i know that if we can get you there you're going to walk away impacted. Yeah. That powerful, powerful thing is what drives me to want people to get there. Man. Actually, Harry, the other night when we were chatting, you brought up this really good point of people don't have my relationship with Ted yeah. in order to feel that, which is part of the reason why I thought it would be really cool to share some of that personal experience about going to TEDx Windsor Yeah, and how I felt the impact from something that I know that if you've listened to TEDx or TED Talks in general, you felt some sort of movement in you, some stirring, right? right. Imagine the in-person. Yeah. You know, that that feel that you can get. Oh, yeah. So good. It's like talk after talk. Yeah. Not so just because good. of you, YouTube's autoplay feature. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. Because they were intentionally curated yeah, put in an order and, and yeah. crafted for this a specific event Dang, for the specific day in this town from people i mean i have a speaker coming from australia man well, he'll be coming from cambodia but he's australian <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know he'll have the right accent that's right anyone in the room is like yeah what he his, said his biggest worry <laughs> is that people can understand him yeah, <laughs> he's totally. like say man from the land down under i don't know if they'll understand me <laughs> like, that's so awesome. like ryan yeah they'll understand you You're okay yep <laughs> oh man so i think bringing all those people with these all the speakers to all these people yeah it's without a doubt has to have an impact right it will if you allow it it will yeah and so to reach again across all platforms tedx bowling green because rohini praise you <laughs> can't have tedx bg <laughs> not that i'm smarmy about it uh, at all but... <laughs> oh my goodness so then this day happens on may 11th what yes. what's like three, four months out from there looking like for you? From there, uh, the planning for TEDx Bowling Green 2020. Okay. um, The licensure will be open for me to take because I do get first dibs on renewing the license. And it's just a renewal process saying I want to. If not, the license opens up to anybody else. Gotcha. Um, But it's I'm the only person that can license for the town of Bowling Green for a general TEDx license. Okay. So again, there's like the you seven different the types. You can do the tech one or the... Yeah, yeah, the ed one or the women's one or business yeah. one or something. But you can't have the general license. Uh, that'll go to me. I'll get that in. It'll be summer. Um, I will be taking most of the summer to work on my photography business and work on my up desire to speak at a TEDx event. I will be using the summer to stick around town, actually. For yeah. the first summer that I will not be working the entire time at a restaurant or living not here. Yeah, some place uh, yeah, in the world. Some place in the world, yeah. Uh, 
I I'm really excited because it, what what spurred this? I was actually planning a trip. I was planning a Europe, Asia, Australia, South America back trip. Wow! Yeah, that lasted like most of the entire summer. Leave like June second, get back August fifteenth, right before school. School starts August seventeenth. So right, right. yeah, I gotta get my classroom in order <laughs> uh, and plan a little bit for the year, you know. But the the Facebook got me looking on events and upcoming events. And I just saw like, yo, there's so much happening in Toledo and Bowling Green. You're talking like, like little things. Like I got excited about like, uh, beer yoga at Fleetwoods on Saturdays and the hot air balloon festival and the water fest at the new park that they made and paddleboard classes and going kayaking on the river. And like, I don't know. I've just started thinking about, it's almost like exploring the world through the lens of Toledo this year. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. What if, and I've been very, I've made the decisions to travel and arrange my life for travel. Right. That allows me to go to all these places and do all of these things. Right. But if we realize that, 99.99% 99.99% of the places I go, people live there and that's their everyday life. Yeah. Right. But yet I walk in and I'm like, oh, you guys have a, a grocery store. Right. I need to go to that grocery store. Oh my gosh, you guys have a river. I want to go to that river. You guys have this. You guys have that. And then what? I come home and I'm like, oh yeah, it's a grocery store. No. What if I looked at my hometown or where I live with that same sense of wonder? Yeah. Yeah. That was like my charge to myself that I should do that. I need to do that. Oh man. I have this cool photo series idea called like, or something like my small town where I go out of these little small towns that people are like, Oh, I just live here. I just live in Weston. I just live in Pemberville. Right. Find out what the cool thing is there and try and frame it in a way where that is sweet. Find a little town history, go to local barkeep. I don't know. I hope you join me on actually some of these adventures. It'd be fun. Yeah. Take some photos, make some YouTube videos along the way. Definitely. It'd be sweet. That. Um, okay. What, what insecurities are you kind of, are there any coming up as you're prepping for this thing? Oh man, that is, yeah, actually for sure. Very recently I applied for, or well, I, I wanted, let me reverse that. Let me go back real quick. Yeah. I thought that, Bringing TEDx to Bowling Green, Ohio, being a university-centered and have, has a, having a very large land area school district that's a very prominent feature in the community, that this is a very education-centric place. Yeah, Bringing something like TED, where every teacher I know uses TED Talks in class. Most people I know have heard of TED Talks. Yeah. Most. I, I Maybe two weeks ago, I would have said all, but I have come across people where they aren't aware of what a TED Talk is, and that is an amazing thing to be able to educate oh, them dude. with. Right? <laughs> Let me uh, Opening pull their, up my oh, browser here. <laughs> right. I can send you a playlist with 143 <laughs> videos. <laughs> and the, the idea that I thought it was going to be welcomed with like open arms, mm. right? I thought everyone would have loved the idea. I thought people would be you know, really All into in. the idea, yeah, to come. And I truly thought that selling tickets, quote unquote, getting people to be there, I thought would would be difficult, but not excruciating. Yeah. And at this point, it feels almost excruciating. Wow. And maybe that's my own self-conscious, as you were saying, because we're still two weeks out. A lot of people don't plan more than a week out, right? Right. right. 
for things like that. And the people balking at the price, people understanding that it's Mother's Day weekend. Okay, yep. I get that. It's yep. the first weekend of May. We have proms. We have uh, graduations, yeah, commencements. Yeah, yeah. It is a busy time. So hindsight, next year, moving it probably to March-ish. Yeah. Uh, but my my biggest insecurity right now is actually wrestling with this idea that not a single teacher, mm. administrator, faculty member that's outside the ones who are speaking has bought a ticket. Yeah. And again, I'm not, I would love to reiterate this fact that it's not because I'm, I'm going to make money on it. It's yeah. not even because I'm going to lose money on it. Right. The money doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Like in the tiniest way it does, but yeah. it, it really doesn't matter. It, it's this idea that a colleague of yours is trying to do something to impact the community and y'all want nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. That and that's sucks. a blow to the ego a little bit. Yeah. It's a blow to my job. It's a blow to my place of employment. It's a blow, it's a blow to the community I live in. Yeah. And I choose to believe that it's just because it's new. Yep. I choose to believe that despite some of my more tenuous relationships with colleagues and administration, that simply on pedagogical views that differentiate from one another, that it's not based on personal Views, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, that it's simply based on the fact that it's new. Educating people on what it is and what it can bring and what it provides. I mean, it really, your your talk the other night really helps put some things in perspective. This idea that I'm looking at TED through my lens, and people don't have that lens. They have they have the impact where I'm like, oh my god, a TED event. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Nashville for a TED event. You know, yeah, like yeah. I need this. Yeah, where they don't have that. Man, it, yeah. That's my biggest insecurity is that I feel like I know speakers like yourself, you're coming, you're worried about your talk, right? Right. right. I'm not worried about your talks. <laughs> yeah. I'm worried about making this event something that you would feel proud having your talk at. Totally, totally. Right. And I know that if there's even one person in the audience, it would be worth it. Right. But how cool would it be to just have that many more people right? and having that big of a turnout and that much attention on you with your idea that you have put time and soul and effort into that. I'm doing this not only for the community, but for all these people that are coming from really far away that are coming from really close to come there and, and give this conversation starter. Yeah. man. Like, I feel like I can't let you down. Dude, you know, then right. honestly, you guys as the speakers is who I can't let down. The community who show up, who who find the value in this event will walk away with value. Right. But man, I can't let the speakers down for it. That's so interesting. You know, that's the biggest pressure I feel wow. is letting you guys down. Weird. Yeah, I haven't that's articulated that yet, but yeah, that's uh, Yeah, that's a tough spot to be in, man. Yeah. Well. Ah. I'm And I'm so not going to pumped. I don't let people down, man. Not in that way. Yeah. Well, (laughs) but it's an interesting insecurity to have to work through and be faced with like, here's these things you can't control. You know the value of it. You see the impact it could have. Yeah. And and go like, I want people to experience this. I think my, my fear, right? And I use that term loosely, is this idea that the week after, right? Let's Mm. say I don't sell all the tickets. The week after I see something, I'm like, 
I could have done that. Yeah. That would have made the difference. This unknown thing. like, <laughs> And then I would sit there and it would sit in my brain and I would think, man, this could have been so different had this happened. And don't get me wrong, I don't sit in that, I don't dwell in that, but that's when I'm like, next year, this yeah. is on the forefront, yeah. right? That's when my reflect and act again Man. happens. So that, yeah, that... It's so mm, good. Full circle on that, reflect yeah. and, and react. What uh, in life are you? have you found yourself absolutely convinced about? Oh, man, people are good. Mm. In, intrinsically, they Dude, are. It's the, they are. That's the... Love it. But my good and your good might be different. Mm. right that not chastising anyone because our goods don't align yeah man i see it in students and teachers every day man the teacher that says but i just want so much more for them do you hear yourself (laughs) it's not about what you fucking want right it's about what they want and sure can their wants change yes (laughs) but you're telling them what you want. You're mad because of what you want. It's you, you, you. It's not about you. Yeah. Get off your high horse, man. man. Dude. It's about them. And you know what? They say they want something and it's outrageous. Okay. Roll with it. Right. They want to drop out. Why don't you support that idea? Just at least right? give them space to flesh that idea out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because we know that that's either a cry for attention. Mm-hmm. or if they're genuinely thinking about it, well, let's support the idea and what it looks like and then make sure they are given all of the information that they right. can possibly have to make the most well-informed decision. And at that point, if they still want to drop out, then awesome, because now it's on them. Oh, man, this is, yeah, that gets me fired up in the sense of there's so many issues that we're facing culturally and the, the broader conversation because we don't have the conversation. We don't talk about this. Yeah. We don't talk about that. And so then... No, why talk about it? Then you have like a situation like Charlottesville that pops up. Yep. And we all go like, wait, we thought that was gone. <laughs> right. That well, didn't happen. The people aren't even... There's a... And this is hard. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm talking about something that I'm not 100% uh, for sure educated in or, or have... Sure. To, processing out loud here a bit but going if if we live in a culture where it's not even okay to verbalize uh, different thoughts like those thoughts go underground and then they start undermining the the cultural togetherness until it leads to this moment of like whoa it becomes an infection yeah you know? the infection thing and so i love that idea of a kid being like hey, i'm gonna drop out and rather than as a, a teacher who who might have to be like wow you shouldn't do that because then that'll be my failure they yeah. get, they go like no i'll hold i'll hold i'm a safe space to hold that tension with you in and that's a good way to put that i right, really like that like, i like that a lot i think i think uh recently i've come to like that's what i love doing i love giving people a space and just being willing to hold the tension of whatever their life is with them. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. And often I never have to offer any sort of solution to it. It's just, you going, can't like, yeah, no one follows advice. Every time I do, it feels so wrong. It, it is wrong. Like, okay, that's also an opinion, right? But the idea that you telling someone to do something like that, 
no one follows actual advice. Advice is the stupidest thing. Yeah. Right. Like, unless it's like sharing information with people, I don't, like a financial planner might give you advice on this what stocks, right? Yeah, right? But what they're doing is they're rationalizing to you what the good reasons are for doing a set action, right? right? They're trying to convince you to do an action rather than giving you advice. And giving someone advice is pointless because they will end up doing whatever it is yeah, they want they to do, want to do. Yeah. in the end. Whatever it is, they decide because we don't just do. And that's we where want. it's like if you can hold the tension of the the, uh, like this shouldn't be in this room. Yeah. What it does is it allows them to make whatever decision they're going to make with as much awareness of the outcome possible outcomes. Yeah. And go like, okay, so I'm going to walk into this and and own it a little more. Whereas if they don't have that space and it's just met with resistance, the only the only option then is to just react yeah or quietly just take it and then stew in this like yeah see what comes of it right yeah, man this i mean we can get real today something happened today right yeah i overheard a conversation mm. a student said that uh they thought that herpes was curable and another student had said no it's not but student one basically believed wholeheartedly that herpes was curable. I mean, this is a, a large misconception, yeah. right? Stemming from um, undereducation about sexually transmitted infections, right? This opened up a bigger dialogue of, hey, we should probably talk about this. In my math class, right. I overheard this, and I come from a background where my sister is an infectious disease control practitioner, Wow. Right? That's a big title for being like a fancy hand washer. But uh, <laughs> Burn on the sister. <laughs> I love you, Melissa. Uh, but she she works in this realm of how to minimize the spread of infection, right? Yeah. Her specialty when she was in school and her focus on her studies for this infectious disease are STDs and STIs. Wow. Right. I got so the STD talk. Like, I um, got, yeah, yeah, right. I got the STD talk at 13, 14 years old of full fledged college master's level photos and information yeah. at 13 to 14. And I'm very educated about it. Now, also educated because I've taken health classes and I've taken anatomy classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here are students that are having a massive misconception on something like oh yeah herpes is curable and they didn't know that there are multiple strains of herpes that okay this needs to open a bigger dialogue on well we should probably talk about this and yes it has to do with sex and yes this is a public school and yes this is what we would call a taboo subject that people like to step away from because right. these are hard conversations to have and yes we scaffold a little bit saying these conversations are not the most comfortable for everyone, right. but there's this idea about comfort and stepping outside that comfort that allows us to grow. That friction allows us to grow, Dude, right? The framing. Yeah. So we important. frame it into y'all are almost about to be adults where these are very real problems and these are very real things that can have real Huge implications on your life, life. right? Yep. This is something we should chat about. So let's chat. First, we need to understand that Herpes is not curable, right? <laughs> right? It is something you live with. Also, there's a stigma. They say that like 80-some percent of people actually have 
a strain of herpes, wow. right? If you've ever had a canker sore or a cold sore, that is a type of herpes, right? right? So it's not dirty. It's not something we need to chastise people for. It's a fact of life. That it's just a, it's a thing that happens in our body, much like flatulence or much like body odor, right? right? right. It happens. Now, this does happen to be infectious. And then we did talk about the fact that your normal canker sores are transmittable via any type of sex, oral sex or physical, actual sex, penetrative or non, that if there's a breakout, it can happen. And here I am having this conversation with juniors in high school that I feel is an extraordinarily important conversation. Yeah. Some people are afraid to have these conversations because of the backlash that parents might give For sure. because of the backlash administration might give. Yeah. And you're a math teacher. Now yeah. I'm a math teacher. I'm not a health teacher. Right, right. So I should know nothing besides math. Right. Yeah. And my core values and beliefs and who I am as a person says that I don't care about that backlash. Yeah. Right. It really doesn't mean anything to me as long as I know that I am enriching in a structured and safe, yeah. comfortable environment to help provide information or a seed of curiosity to help educate them or make them aware at least of these things that they could be talking about. Yeah. They could have some knowledge about before it really imp implicates things in their life that are bad, right? Before it really has bad cause for them. Yeah. And to be honest, man. I'm not scared of losing my job for it. Right. I'm not at all. Yeah. I've always said that, uh, I've never articulated this, especially in any sort of major public. fashion, <laughs> public place, but I have always said that under the assumption that I truly do what I view as best in my all my education to being allowed to be in front of students and knowing that I'm educated in a way that supports students' Man. best learning Right, yep. what's best for the kids that I think is best for the kids that I think could help them the most, right? That I'm professionally trained in that aspect and that I will only do things that help. If there's ever an impasse, if there's ever comes to a wall in the education system where they say that there's a non-negotiable here, that this is what it is, or you have to get out, then I have zero qualms with walking away. Yeah. I do. I have zero qualms with it. Whether it's I'm not financially tied to it, I've organized my life in a way that I am able to walk away because I'm not compromising on that. Man. I can't. Yeah. In my own, I couldn't live with myself if I could. Yeah, man. The opportunity for a real conversation to, I can't do that. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I have to. Yeah. It, it's not even like a thing that boils down to a want. It's I have to. <laughs> it just happens. Yeah. And in, to me, it's like as soon as I heard it, like I'm over sitting at my desk while they're working on this this project and I heard this conversation because they're talking about real life stuff in their project and I just overheard, right? And then it opened up a conversation for the whole class. Yeah. And we structure it in such a way, my co-teacher and I, that it was able to be so beautiful. It was such a, such a good conversation mm. that they ended up asking questions and then I was able to answer some of those questions. Some of them I couldn't answer, but I could say, well, we have access to Google, right? And I understand, <laughs> I understand that we also understand how to interpret things on Google, right? right? If we start WebMDing things like herpes, we're going to get some scary things, yeah. right? If we Wikipedia it, we're going to get scarier things that we have to question the validity of. Right. But we understand how to disseminate information into truth and fiction. And when we don't, then we have to train ourselves to ask 
and inquire, which requires dialogue, which requires uncomfortable dialogue. Yeah. And I'm not saying you have to talk about it with your parents. I'm not saying you have to talk about it with any specific person. I'm just saying that we should talk about it. Right. In general. And I offered myself, should you feel the desire to, you feel compelled to have a conversation about this, I am available. And I will talk with you about it. Right. And I do think that it's important to have these conversations with parents in your life. And I'm not even strictly saying sex, but drugs, alcohol, like financial decisions, big things that, that people don't talk about. If you have these conversations, yes, with your parents, with the meaningful guardians, adults in your life at this age, right? With your partners or your friends, right? And with your same age peers that are around you, those three conversations are pillars in your communication because you talk about the same things in very different lights. Yeah. The way you talk about sex with mom and dad versus friends versus peers or teachers or something like that or random other oh adults, completely different, but all completely necessary in the full scope of what it is, yeah. right? Yeah. And how you would talk about money with all those things to all those people, how you would talk about life decisions with all those people, right. medical issues with all those people, there's such good perspectives to get that we need to somehow find a way to support yeah. them getting those. Yep. And if I can be one of yeah. those people, I'll be just that totally. random adult that provides a safe enough space to have a conversation yep. that maybe I'm willing to sit down with your parents and yeah. you yeah. and make it copacetic for everybody. That's right. totally, I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> you know? Uh. Like, Dude, God, if I man, if I had parents approach me and say, I think we would love if you could help us set an environment that we could have this conversation about blank topic yep. with our child, I would say absolutely time and place. Let's do it in my classroom. They feel comfortable there. I'll get comfy chairs, like right, and bring orange juice. I don't know, like, <laughs> <laughs> right. it's a comfy right. drink, right? Totally. Oh, dude, that is so cool. Um, okay, so. TEDx is happening. TEDx is happening, man. May 11th, May 2019, 11th. the day after my birthday. <laughs> well, that's sweet. I know. 28. 28. Dude. Yeah. My students don't know my actual age. Oh, <laughs> correct. Now they 34. do. <laughs> 47 years old, looking young. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> 42, for sure. Um, okay. Uh, so please go check out the website. Yep, TEDxBowlingGreen.com. And grab a ticket. It, one of the ways to think about this, the way I was thinking about it even was going, um, if you know somebody who just that, the theme being oh, mindset yeah. change, right? Like if you know somebody who's either going through it or like would definitely appreciate 14 conversation starters around yeah. the you know, idea of mindset change in all different you know realms of life, um, yeah, buy them a ticket and use the discount code. Yeah, discount code takes it to like 52 bucks, man, for an yeah. all-day event. I mean, a ticket to Disney World costs 100 bucks nowadays, you know? But yeah, TED Friend, all caps, all one word. Awesome. It'll be worth it for them. And come with them. Yeah. You won't walk away disappointed. Oh, man. Totally. Not at all. Norakar, thank you so much. Harry, man. man. I'm gonna give you a hug after this is over. Oh, for by sure. the way, <laughs> definitely. But Oscar's on my lap at the moment. So, <laughs> the dog. I liked having the dog here. Don't yeah. tell my kids that I said that. <laughs> <laughs>
We're going to get them a dog. No. An old, small, grumbly dog. I, I like this old, small, grumbly dog vibe. He's just such a good dog, though. Yeah. <laughs> he is a good dog. God, <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Narakar, check him out. Uh, check out the Instagram, which is the TEDx Bowling Green. Uh, you can find lots of info and pictures and ideas there. So check that stuff out. Please buy a ticket. Um come to the event i would love to see you there and have a have a conversation with you at the after party or the banquet is what we're calling it i believe um so the reception the reception um yeah thank you everyone so appreciate you listening to this stuff and and uh look forward to talking to you again soon